shrines. Only the most powerful of mages could actually cast them. Fewer still could keep them concealed. Borel Cain was one such mage, a venerable master in the realm of necrology, who had a shrine as large as the totality of the mages' guild. It was a breathtaking achievement, certainly, assuming you were ever privileged enough to see it. And, of course, to be able to see it, you needed to have the ability to actually find it. Finding the shrine of an Archmagus happened one of two ways. The mage could give you the location, or someone familiar with it, which was generally considered betrayal by the magical community, could lead you there. Shrines were personal. Shrines were sacred. Shrines were something to be protected. These truths and the violation of them weighed heavily on the mind of Jenna Kiss, as she led Thamro, the provost, and Magus Thorn to the secret home of her master. We begin here. You doing okay? Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Why do you ask? You've been sort of lost in thought since we left the Mages Guild three days ago. I figured something must be troubling you. You'd be right. Want to talk about it? If I did, I probably would have started talking about it, Seth. You know what? I'm just going to let that unnecessary meanness roll off my back like water does a plow loon. We should both be dead right now, but we're not. We have the backing of the Mages Guild now to help us do the very thing we set out to do, and we'll probably save Borokane's life because of it. Pout all you want. I'm going to be happy. Knock yourself out. Jenna's feeling sad today, and yet I try to make her feel okay. She doesn't want to talk, and she wants to pout. But okay, now I'm okay. Here to bring her By the gods, your voice is hey. awful. Let's talk. Are you sure? I mean, I've got another verse of that song if you still feel like having a pity party. For the love of Welkin, no. Let's talk. Can we discuss our feelings, too? You know, have a real heartwarming moment? I will cut you. There's that smile. Glad I could make you laugh. Okay, let's try this again. You doing okay? Not really, no. And yes, I know I should be happier given the circumstances. It's just... It's the shrine, isn't it? <sighs> yes. Seth, this is the ultimate betrayal of my master's trust. You do not reveal the location of the shrine. It just isn't done. He will disown me for this. I'm guessing that if he's alive to actually disown you, he'll probably thank you first. So, thank me. And then disown me? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Listen, I think you're doing the right thing. I only wish I knew the location of this shrine so that it wasn't you betraying his trust. Then Boro could just disown me. Funny you should mention that. You might actually already know where we're going. Uh, what? Well, the other you may know it. When we were trying to escape the Finn dungeons, other you... Mentioned having met my master. I think he may have hired you to kill Damien Lucian. And I think that's when Damien Lucian bewitched you. The weight of that revelation hit Thamro hard. Up until now, 
he hadn't really let himself believe that he had actually committed murder. Jenna diverted eye contact from him as he tried to make sense of it. But how? How could he have bewitched me if it was me who killed him? I'd need to know the spell he used. But it is possible. Especially with the magic that the White Robes practice. Mental magic doesn't require casting rhymes like most other spells. The mage simply thinks the spell and it happens. An Archmagus could do real damage to your mind if he or she wanted to. Like the spell Calloway was going to cast on Lysa. No. That spell would have robbed her of every memory she ever had. What I believe Lucian may have done to you was renew your mind. A rebirth of who you are, so to speak. I wish he were alive to make sense of this. There were literally thousands of spells he could have cast. He chose to change you from the inside out at the cost of his own life. He must have seen something good in you, Thamro. Megas Calloway was trying to mentally cripple Lisa. There's a huge difference. Thank Welkin, you acted when you did. It wasn't actually me. It was the sword. Convergence decided to cut off his hand of her own accord. And I agree with your words on what may have happened to me, too. Whoever I was, that person is probably gone for good. The provost, who had been riding behind Jenna and Thamro next to Major Thorn, chose this moment to interject into an otherwise private conversation. No, young Thamro, chances are you won't. The spell used on you, knowing Damien as I did, was probably the Baal Khan. That spell not only removes who you were, it changes who you are. It is a spell that the guild has used on hardened criminals in the past. We often utilize it on mages seeking parole from the wizard's jail that we don't entirely trust. Damien stole your life, Seth. And I am sorry for that, very sorry. He took everything from you. All due respect, Provost. I don't see it that way. This wasn't so much a curse as it was a gift. The Seth Thamro I have gotten to know would risk his own life to help a stranger that didn't do anything to deserve it and had no way to repay the favor. The only impressive thing about his alter ego is his physical strength. But his character could not keep him where his physical abilities took him. Strength of character is the greatest strength there is. Losing your memory has to be hard, though. I hope my words help. At least a little bit. They do, Jenna. Thank you. Though, I admit, I am curious about who I was, but not because of what I lost. Honestly, I can't remember the strength to actually miss it. What I mean is, I know that I hurt a lot of people, and I'd like to remember who they are so I can make things right. You're assuming we're going to live through this? Yes, Provost. I guess I am. That super strength would be pretty handy right now, though. I gotta admit. <laughs> Agreed. It would be nice. I wish there was a way to trigger it without being bashed on my head. There might be. How? I have a theory, Jenna. Once we get to your master's shrine, we'll test it. It involves that talkative blade of his. Thamro and Jenna exchanged glances and hopeful nods as the foursome continued their journey. Meanwhile, heading towards the city of Uberus, 
Cravex and Lysa were sharing a moment of their own. You haven't said a word for about an hour. As much as you like to talk, I'm starting to think something might be wrong with your vocal cords. <laughs> There's that ever-present Leslie charm. Say it with me. Cray. Vax. Only in front of your friends. <laughs> to me, you will always be my Leslie. To your question, though, you have to remember, until today, I thought you were dead. Cravex cringed at the reminder that the provost had lied to Lysa regarding him. If he wasn't your father. But he is, my love. And no, he doesn't approve of you, especially since... I had nothing to do with your mother's death. Nothing. Tell me you don't think I did. If I did, would I be here now with you? I don't know what happened to my mother. My father won't speak of it. To this day, he says he walked into her workshop and saw you standing over her with your sword drawn. It's why he had you arrested. When I arrived at her workshop, I found her lying on the floor. She was already dead, Lysa. I swear it. And for the record, the only reason I even had the sword was because your mother was going to use her magic to enchant it for me. In fact, I'm pretty sure she actually did. How do you know? You don't think I recognized my own sword in Thamros' hands back at the Mages' Guild. I haven't seen it in damn near 25 years, but I know my own handiwork. It was the first sword I ever smithed on my own. I don't know how he got it, or why I can talk now, but I assume it has something to do with how powerful of an enchantress your mother had become. Lysa considered all of these words. But the pieces weren't making any sense. Leslie, I had never seen your friend Thamro before today. Not one time. He didn't seem to be familiar with the weapon, but that sword spoke as if it had belonged to him for some time. It referred to him as Master several times. It doesn't make any sense. How is any of this possible? Babe, that kid can do things I couldn't begin to explain. Having my old sword is hardly the most impressive thing I've seen him do. No, you don't understand. The only way your friend could have had your sword, a sword that my father believed was the murder weapon used to kill my mother, was if my father kept it. Why, Leslie, would my father have kept it? I don't know. Maybe as proof to use against me. He had you arrested and condemned to die in the arena. The fact that Thamro has that sword is proof that the weapon was never given to the authorities. Leslie, my father may have lied to me about that, too. Whether he did that or not, you had just lost your mother. There was no reason for you to focus on these details back then. You have a point. I was also pregnant with our baby when my mother died. Cravex cringed a second time at having to relive the memory. Could we not talk about the baby? I mean... You didn't actually want it, so... What are you talking about? Of course I wanted our baby. Then why the abortion? I mean, I realize at the time you thought I may have killed your mother, but that was no reason not to have our child, Lysa. Leslie, have you believed all these years that I aborted our baby? Believe it? Of course I did. It was what you said in the last letter you ever wrote to me when I went to prison. Honey, I had our baby. It was a boy, but he was stillborn. I... I thought you knew. That was what I wrote you. When I never heard back from you, I asked my father about it, and he said you had been killed. Anger raged inside of Cravex as he realized that, for the last 21 years, 
He had believed a lie that was most likely orchestrated by the provost. He stopped his horse and turned about. What are you doing? Where are you going? I am going to kill your father. Something I did not do to your mother. But something I clearly should have done to him when I had the chance. Honey, we don't know that he had anything to do with this. We're speculating. We don't... Now, you're speculating. I am certain. He framed me for your mother's murder. He lied to you about my still being alive. And then he made sure, somehow, that I would think you aborted my son. I am going to wear his brain mat around my neck on a chain. And shove that stupid marble he carries around up his... Wait a sec. What is it? What do you hear? Shh. Be still. I sense someone in the trees. What are you talking about? My magic would have warned us if... It happened so quickly that, had Cravex blinked, he would have missed it. An arrow launched from the shadows of the forest aimed directly for his head should have ended his life. But he was Cravex, a warrior of nearly 40 seasons. Catching an arrow with your hands instead of your face was a basic warrior requirement. And Cravex had passed. He casually tossed the arrow aside and drew his sword. Cravex and Lysa watched as a silent figure descended from above and landed gently in the middle of the road. The man stood six feet even and wore lightweight black leather armor with steel forearm and shin guards. He had large twin daggers on either hip, a backpack covered in runes and symbols on his shoulder, and he wore a loose-fitting hood about his head. The figure simply stood in the road and stared at Cravex with eyes that were completely white. Lysa, ride Uber's babe. I'll be along. Are you crazy? I am not leaving. Lysa, go. Now, please. Lysa took her horse and rode on, surprised that the dark figure simply allowed her to leave. He kept his focus on Cravex. I thought you were a myth. It's the ghost, right? Twin daggers off the shoulder cape. Rune back. The most feared bounty hunter in Welkin. Peros sent you, right? The ghost simply nodded. Cravex slid off of his horse and slapped the animal on the backside so that it would run away from any forthcoming harm. Well, at least I know it's not personal. Come on, sweetheart. Let's see if you live up to the hype. The ghost drew his daggers and simply squatted with his head down. Cravex approached him slowly, inching towards him, waiting for him to move. But the ghost was content to stay perfectly still. Cravex raised his sword and let out a primal scream. But before he could levy a blow, the ghost sprang up and slashed him about his torso with both daggers simultaneously. Cravex took a couple of steps back as pain cried out from his midsection. The ghost casually resumed his squatted position and waited for Cravex to approach him again. Cravex checked his torso. He was cut badly and cut deeply. He needed to finish this quickly or the wound would end the fight for him. Cravex's finger strike to the left, spun quickly, slashed hard to the right. 
the ghost dropped the vials at the ground, causing a large cloud of smoke to spring out. Cravex's swing hit nothing, and when the smoke cleared, there was no sign of the ghost. That's cute. You want to fight me for real now, honey? An arrow struck Cravex through his left calf, causing him to drop to one knee. He looked about, but he saw no sign of the ghost. Okay, genius, you're getting your butt handed to you. This guy's called the ghost, so he fights like one. Nothing you're used to doing is going to help you. Think, Cravex, think! Cravex calmed his breathing and closed his eyes. He sheathed his sword and placed his hands behind his back. This move took the ghost by surprise. He returned the arrow he had loaded back to his quiver and descended to the ground as quietly as a snowflake. He crept up behind Cravex to attack with his daggers. But Cravex was ready for the ghost this time. Cravex beat the ghost repeatedly about the head and chest until his hand was raw and bleeding. As Cravex hauled back to deliver the final blow, the ghost suddenly caught his fist and squeezed down, snapping the knuckles in Cravex's hand. Cravex unsheathed his blade again with designs to finish his adversary, but the ghost managed to slip out of his grasp and scramble up a nearby tree in mere seconds. Krivik stood with his sword ready, twisting and turning about, looking for the ghost to strike again. Krivik, after several anxious moments, calmed his breathing and exhaled. Yeah, you better run. Krivik called for his horse, which returned to his side. He checked his surroundings a final time and then continued riding towards Ubris. 